With the Investing News Network, I'm Scott Tibbles. Today I'm reporting from the floor of the International Mining and Resources Conference in Melbourne, or IMARC. And joining me now is Bert Koth. Bert is a Managing Director and Partner at Denham Mining Fund. Thank you for joining me, Bert. Oh, thank, thank you very much for this interview. So can you tell me a little bit about the Denham Mining Fund? Sure. Um, well, Denham is a U.S. private equity firm. Um, so what we do is um, we back management teams. So we basically take the back a management team private equity model from the U.S. oil and gas space and um, apply that model um, to metals mining, to the entrepreneurial metals and mining space. Um, so we back, we typically back management teams before they have the assets on the back of the track record to actually go out with our capital and secure assets um, that are very similar to or identical to what management has successfully executed before. Okay, and so yesterday at IMARC you were part of a uh, panel talking about the top projects of the last 12 months, who and why. Can you just give me a little bit of a rundown on what you talked about and what your thoughts were from that panel? Sure. Well, f f first of all, I, I never comment on other people's projects, as I've said, as I've said yesterday on the panel by name, right? Um, but I mean, first of all, the general flavor of the day, uh, well, whether the public markets like lithium or copper or gold on any particular day, that is largely irrelevant to us um, because as a private equity fund, we really look kind of first at first principles, right? So the project got to be low cost, uh, long life, have lots of embedded optionality, got to have a reasonable low capital intensity. So we look at fundamentals first, yeah, um, irrespective of what the current sentiment is on the public markets. Yeah. So that, 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 that's really important. Um, but what it also means is that we are relatively commodity agnostic. So more important th than that the project is in a particular commodity is whether it's going to make money or not. Uh, so, so that, that and again, that comes back to first principles. You got to be low cost, low capital intensity, long life of mine, lots of embedded optionality. Okay. And so, if you're commodity agnostic, can you just give your thoughts on perhaps what commodities might be the most attractive right now for investors? Again, the public markets are sentiment-driven. We are not sentiment-driven. The public markets a year ago were very happy about lithium, and now they're less happy about lithium, right? So, I mean, you know, this changes every six months. I mean, at the moment, the market is relatively bullish about copper, right, for example. But um, I can only say from our point of view, uh, we do not care about the public market sentiment, yeah. Um, having said that, we, we, with the remainder of our capital, we're probably going to be more focused on base and precious metals rather than specialty minerals or industrial minerals. Okay, and so the, your tip on sort of uh, yesterday, you said that uh, perhaps uh, the public markets were very interested in, in lithium a year ago and, yeah. and it seemed to be a, gr a great way to uh, lose money. Do you see uh, similar things happening in commodities uh, now? Are there other warning signs for other commodities? Well, in my opinion, um, unless uh, you are trading on the public markets on the way up, when, the, when there's an upswing in the momentum, I think any anything that is heavily promoted on the public markets, when you get in after the trains left the station is a good way of losing money <laughs> as a starter. Um, so usually when the newspapers write about it, it's usually the time time to get out rather than to get in. Okay. So when so when <laughs> when the newspapers arrive the party's over. 
Yes, definitely. One, uh, no, no offense to the media, please, but once something is widely debated in the media as being an interesting opportunity, it's usually time to get out um, rather, ra- rather than to get in. Um, but look, pu- pu- putting all of that aside, really, it, 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 I know it sounds a boring answer, but it all goes back to first principles. A low-cost project, it's got a long life of mine, right? Uh, got a low capital intensity, then almost, almost irrespective of what the underlying commodity is, when it meets those criteria, it's in the long term likely going to make money. Okay. And and what about what about jurisdiction? So so uh, commodities is you know, commodity agnostic. Are you jurisdiction agnostic? No, not really. Well, first of all, we back management team. So to, um, we our, our way of getting comfortable with the jurisdiction amongst others. Mm-hmm is that when we back a management team who has been previously successful in a jurisdiction, yeah, that, that that's one thing. Having said this, we do not definitely do not fully trust management's representations here either. So we do a lot of our own homework as well before we get comfortable with the jurisdiction. Um, I would say what we are sensitive about is jurisdictions that try to confiscate or nationalize the rewards of risk capital. Um, these are obviously jurisdictions that we will not invest in. Um, I will not name them here on this on, on this interview, but I mean, I'm sure you can figure out which which ones of those were. So, when somebody wants to take or nationalize the rewards of risk capital, the then our capital is not available to fund anything in that country, right? Um, in country risk, country risk is an interesting question because at the end of the day it's everything that affects the bottom line yeah and you might find that in some OECD countries yeah um, ultimately the tax level is also so high that it's actually similar value leakage than in some emerging markets uh, so, so so we look we, we look at from the effect under the bottom line yeah um, but having said all of this, extreme high-risk jurisdictions will always be a very small portion of the portfolio and we won't go to places that try to confiscate the rewards of the risk capital. Do you think that there has been an increase in country risk in, in recent years? There seems to be a, a, a bit of chatter about uh, resource nationalism on the up. Yes, that's definitely true. Um, so w- w- what you see by and large is that a lot of governments think that in the mining industry there's a very, a very large economic pie where governments and stakeholders can get a higher share. Yeah? The problem is that resource nationalism is always lagging behind in the cycle. Yeah? Um, the, the actually, the economic pie that represents the mining industry has, has actually shrunk dramatically over the last few years uh, since the super cycle ended. Uh, but government, but government's uh, realization that the pie has actually shrunk significantly has, has actually not yet caught up with reality, in many cases, because in, in any mining project, if you put country risk and fiscal risks aside, it is very hard to execute a mining project on time and a budget. Yeah, this is a very difficult industry, and it's actually difficult to get a project right uh, such that you actually end up making money. Yeah putting all the fiscal overlay on all these risks aside. Yeah. So therefore, if the, if the expectation up front is for an unrealistically high uh, government stake, uh, that in itself would be an investment obstacle. So what sort of advice would you give to investors that come to conferences like IMARC? I mean, previously you've talked about uh, first principles, whether or not projects can make money, uh, being a commodity agnostic, and thinking mainly about management teams. Well don't believe anything that the management teams uh, tell you 
uh, who attended conference because they're all promoting their equity. Um, hire a really good independent expert to review the company and the underlying fundamentals before you take an investment decision. Unfortunately, my advice is don't believe anybody anything. That is pretty sound advice. Well, um, thank you so much for taking the time to have a chat with me, Bert. We'll leave it there. Great pleasure. Anytime. Thank you. And again, I'm Scott Tibbles with the Investing News Network, and I'm at iMark in Melbourne.